1: Just follow me. We're going to make it out of here, okay? We're going to make it out, but you got to follow me. I don't don't know, man. I don't know. you got to just follow me through the darkness. I know it's very dark in these woods, but you're going to just follow me. How much longer? Are we almost there? Yes. I told you to, first of all, first of all, I told you to pack Cheerios. I did in my Cheerio case that I got from the supermarket that I seem to remember from my childhood. I remember it, too, for some reason. We're getting distracted, James. We have to. <laughs> we have to get out of these. We have to get out of these woods. What was that? What? Oh, is oh, that the Bell Witch? I don't think that's the Bell Witch, James. I think we'll just just be very, very still. I think. Uh-huh. Is it a T-Rex? I do, it can't see you if you don't move. I think that's a noble. That's a noble owl. Oh. Who? It's, the... <laughs> it's James. I think that's the night owl. That's what they used to call me back in college. Oh, no, James, you spoke too loud. The night owl flew away. Now we're never going to find our way out of these woods. Thanks a lot. Paul, was your whole plan that we would ask an owl how to get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> James, we're going to have to resort to plan B. Uh, we, d- You did draw the short straw earlier, and I'm just going to have to uh, kill you and eat you. Yeah, uh, that's fine Oh, I found the Cheerios Hey, we're safe! Hey, we're safe James saved. found the Cheerios I may still kill you and eat you anyway But you found the Cheerios, that'll buy us at least ah, 17 sh- minutes it. Paul hmm They're Applejacks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have an even bigger whoopsie for you I think we're just literally oh. <laughs> in our backyard Oh, beans Welcome back to the Third Men Podcast. We're back from break. Did you miss these intros, guys? Everybody out there, did you miss, did you miss these? Did James you... and I haven't discussed this, but, you know, I've been thinking, do we really need these? Uh, we didn't discuss it, but yes, we do. <laughs> well, uh, Because without them, we wouldn't be warmed up. This is us warming up for you guys. Yeah, that was, a, we do our warm-ups in front of you. It's a special new kind of rehearsal called the, the, the actual just show. Just the show. Just, yeah, the, the show. show. Yeah. Just, the, just the show. Think of these intros as the matinee performance, <laughs> you
0: yeah, know, which is, is never that, as good.
1: Is, what, is, what does that mean? Is that a five o'clock showing? Is that what that is? Yeah. I mean, it's not really done much anymore, but like you hear in the 60s and stuff, there used to be like two concerts a day at the same venue and they cram everybody in and out of the play. I don't know how they... Used to do that, James. What is that? What the feature presentation is? Is that the the main feature of a film? Is that the is that at a matinee? The matinee is also known as the sea cow, <laughs> right? Uh, also known as the water horse. Uh, we <laughs> this is our new podcast, Cinema on Cinema. Um, I'm your co-host Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host James Kaminsky, and I've got the Cheerios. James does have the Cheerios. Now we have been I away. Have a wicked case of the Cheerios. <laughs> it's a new disease. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's... My, it makes your cheeks all red and yeah. It's a lot like scurvy, but with yeah. breakfast food at its core, with more honey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. This is our Jack White History Podcast, Third Men Podcast. Thank you for joining us again for season four. This is the season four opener. Despite what you hear next episode, which, again, as we're fond of saying, time is indeed a mm-hmm. flat circle and we may be mm-hmm. acting next episode as if that is our first one back, but fear not, we are about to enter a fugue state in which we will completely forget we even did this intro. So don't yeah. Just if you're confused, so are you know. So are we. It's like we planned out that we would record the next one first, and then didn't put that one first. But that's not the case. Um, no, it's certainly not. We did get lost in the woods, and that's yes. why we just plan. We plan on having amnesia. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes there's a season slump in a show. So in a sitcom, they'll occasionally have an amnesia episode or, you know, a series of seemingly endless uh, best ofs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's... (laughs) Oh, we're doing such a great job. Uh, As James intimated to you in a strange way, we thought we were going to be coming back with a different first episode. And then... An amazing interview, maybe the biggest interview of the history of this show. I thought you were going to say career, (laughs) and I was going to say, Paul, this is no career. (laughs) The most amazing thing happened. We met the night owl. (laughs) (laughs) Ms. Olivia Jean agreed to talk to us. Yeah. What? Yeah. (laughs) Why? We're just as surprised (laughs) as you are. Um, We're a couple of doofuses who talk on some microphones And uh, people keep saying they'll be on the show. Yeah. Olivia Jean has a new record that is out now. It's called Night Owl. And it is tremendous. We're big Olivia Jean fans on this show. And, you know, we reach out periodically to different folks just on the off chance. They say yes. And Olivia Jean said yes. And we were so, so thrilled. It was a wonderful, wonderful discussion. We did another tag team this time around. Yeah, because we planned it that way we planned we planned the tag team we planned it uh, like the amnesia much like the amnesia yes yeah we hope you enjoy this she talked to us for a super long time we had a great conversation very very nice person and uh, super talented we're big fans so anyway everybody go pick up night owl if you want to be in the know for this discussion it's available where fine records is sold on on third man records produced by olivia Jean and who also performs a great deal of the record sometimes entire songs by herself yes we were also uh horrified to know that uh, olivia Jean had heard a few episodes of our show and you know sometimes embarrassment can be very public you know yeah sometimes it can be projected at you by the people you admire yes but before we get to all of that james (gasps) hold on let me uh let me look over my notes here is there a show we fell in love with (laughs) <laughs> yes, James, there is a show we fell in love with. It's Fell in Love with a Show. It's a Fell in Love with a Show. So Fell in Love with the Show is when we go and check out a Jack White-themed show, mm-hmm. some third-man records artist, or Jack White himself, and we come back and tell you all about it. And- We're going to talk about a fun show that you saw this summer. Yes, Paul, I went and saw the raconteurs at the anthem in washington dc last week actually last weekend at the time of this recording meaning middle of august yeah something like that yeah no it's amnesia uh, me and uh friend of the show and i was gonna say chronic guest but he's only been on it a couple times <laughs> <laughs> you've got a bad case of chronic guest <laughs> Um, It goes well with your cheerio Me and a friend of the show, Mike Jezitis, Went to see the Tours at the Anthem in Washington, D.C. Along with a bunch of other people who are friends of the show I wasn't able to meet up with them, but I know Tam Davis was there And a couple other folks I drove on down to Washington Our nation's capital D.C., that is, not the state We didn't go right into the show We actually got dinner first because we were all very hungry Uh, We didn't really get there to be a part of the front row crowd So we weren't really planning on that, which is fine because honestly, I'm very tired and uh, (laughs) standing for multiple hours on end to be at the front was a bit daunting to me and Mike as well. So we got some tacos at a delicious place. The venue, James, is the Anthem. Yes, which I've never been to. Yeah, which is famous for the kneeling at the Anthem DC from the Boarding House Reach Tour. I am very jealous mm. you had to go to the Anthem because, as Jack White Venues goes, that has quite a connection yes. to uh, the third-man world. Uh, what was the venue like? Shut up about the relevant things. I'm going to keep talking about the tacos. <laughs> I... <laughs> um... No, the Anthem was uh, was... <gasps> It was a real, <laughs> it was a really different venue. It's apparently owned by the same guy who runs the 9:30 Club, but it's a much bigger version of that. It's weird because it's almost completely standing room, yeah. but it's three floors, right? Which is abnormal. So we weren't on the ground floor, you know, general admission, but we went up to the third floor and stood on these balconies. They have these kind of standing balconies where it's row after row after row of, like, where you can line up as one row of people. Kind of like stadium seating, but you're all standing. Okay. It's an interesting way to do it. Everybody could see perfectly well. Yeah. That kind of made it so that there wasn't really a bad seat in the house. It's a big venue, but at the same time, even the farthest seats, you know, you could see what was happening on stage. You didn't need a Jumbotron or something along those lines to be able to see the band. That's awesome. Yeah. It didn't matter too much that we weren't there super early. We got some good spots. We were able to see perfectly fine. Yeah. And uh, honestly, if we were down in the pit, I wouldn't have been able to get as lost as I did. Seeing this show gave me a similar feeling to seeing Jack during the Blunderbuss tour at Radio City. We didn't have the best seats there either, but, you know, I had space for myself to just kind of get lost in the music and, you know, just enjoy the show, Uh, dance around a bit, and probably looked like a weirdo to everybody else, but that's okay. So we got some drinks, we got to the third floor, we arrived right as the Jacuzzi Boys were starting their set. The Jacuzzi Boys were a punk-like band. They're good. I didn't mind them. I don't think Mike quite understood them but i uh, you know i thought they were okay we've talked about them on the show before but i can't remember where how or why i just remember the name jacuzzi boys yeah they did a live at third man's album So when the Jacuzzi Boys were done with their set, the DJ started playing some music. I thought what was interesting, and somebody in the Thinking Persons group mentioned this as well, Paul McCartney's 1985 came on, and I was like, whoa, that's interesting. And I interrupted Mike as he was talking to his friend and was like, hey, it's 1985. That's cool. (laughs) That's a deep cut. It's a weird one to hear. I don't always expect McCartney tunes at, you know... Jack White or Third Man or Tours or whatever related shows. It's like when April March was DJing when I saw the Barnes & Noble thing and she played a Ruddles song and I was like, what the fuck is it? <laughs> Cheese and onions. I was like, that's cool. As soon as Mike said what, then the tours came on. They played this awesome dramatic opening music as they all walked out on the stage. I originally thought that that was from the Hateful Eight soundtrack, the Inicio Morricone stuff, but it's actually from another Quentin Tarantino movie, Inglorious Bastards, that oh, yeah. soundtrack. It's a song called Tiger Tank. Oh, that's cool. By Lalo Schifrin. Uh, we'll play a little bit of that here. It really amps up the tension and drama on the stage while they're getting on. Mike had invited another person, one of his friends, who had never heard a single Tour song, or Jack White for that matter, in his life. I mean, he heard Seven Nation Army, but he had never really paid any attention to it. So it was interesting seeing his take on it all, but... The whole time I was trying to, like, put myself in his shoes, like, what is this person getting out of this show? Like, (laughs) how how do I move my arms? Uh, What do I do? You know, (laughs) what is this strange blue creature? Yeah, (laughs) You know, they came on stage and they came out to Consoler the Lonely. Oh, they opened with that. Cool. Yeah, which was really really cool to hear because I I was expecting them to open with you know bored and raised or help a stranger or something off the new album. Yeah, which made me happy because you know that's my favorite album by them. Moved on to level, which again was shocked it wasn't a new song already. After level, they did bored and raised. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was a very consolers heavy set list. They did consoler the lonely, you don't understand me, top yourself, old enough, Carolina drama. So they did a lot. Yeah. Salute your solution. Good set list. Yeah. I remember like halfway through after already losing my voice, I was thinking like this is the first time I've seen Jack White or Brendan or anything the way they used to be. Right. I mean, I hate saying it that way, but it's like- I got that feeling too. It felt like they were back. Yeah. And it felt like I got the same feelings I did 10 years ago. From this, or 11 years ago, or however long it was since we last saw them. Just judging by the ones I saw, like the, it felt more like a real rock and roll show, whereas mm-hmm. the Boarding House Reach tour, it was more like, hey, Jack's back, and that was more of the the forefront of the thinking, at least for me, anyway, and there was all these new things he was trying, and it was a lot to kind of take in, Yeah, but this one was more like distilled back to... The comfort food kind of show Which has its good and its bad points Like you, you can't get too reliant on the comfort food But there's a reason it's comfort food Because the, pizza tastes great And the raconteurs sound good You know, like there's yeah, there, yeah. It's it's all it, I, I hate, I really hate the idea of leaning on nostalgia in that way But I don't think it is Because they still sounded vital They still sounded relevant, you know And he was bouncing off the walls He, he yeah. looks like he's, you know, happy And he's just I don't know, he seems bouncier, smilier. Uh everything yes. about it seems fresh and they all look like they're having fun. Yeah. Yes. And it and in turn it made me have a little more fun. I, I haven't danced at a concert to every song and sang the lyrics to every song in God knows how long. Like even at the last Jack solo show. I was, you know, into it, but You know, at a certain point, if I was tired, I'd just stop. But this is like, I was tired and I could, I'm still (laughs) singing and and dancing and doing, you know, uh, the whole time. And it's, it's been a long time since I've done that. And it felt really nice to be able to, to go to a show and, and do that and get lost in the music again. Yeah. Because I've been kind of craving that. I've been chasing that dragon for some time. That's great. That's great. So any, any other song highlights, like, uh, yes, they did, uh, They did a few covers interspersed. They did a Giving Back My Wig in the middle of Top Yourself, which is a song by Hound Dog Taylor. Mm -hmm. They did a short snippet of Gloria in the middle of Don't Bother Me. During Hey Jip, there was a section that I couldn't quite make out while I was there. I may have just been exhausted and kind of losing myself in the song, but I thought it was like another Donovan song that he was playing in the middle of Hey Jip. I knew it wasn't Hey Jip. I knew it was a different song, but apparently, according to setlist.fm, apparently it was Yellow Sun in the middle of Hey Jip, which was cool. And I've heard some people in the Thinking Persons group say that, too, so I think that's fairly reliable. So it's entirely possible, and I knew it was another song in there. And then on top of that, I think in You Don't Understand Me or Bored and Raised, somewhere in there, I know for sure he played this because I was... Yelling the lyrics out While he was playing The one snippet of it But he played He sang And played a little bit Of Good To Me Whoa. The Brandon Benson song Yeah Which Through me like So awesome Yeah I was completely surprised By that And no one's mentioned that So I'm wondering Like well, Did I just Fugue state this Like what <laughs> What happened um, I wish that they would Just incorporate that Into their set Or something Cause like When the White Stripes Covered Good To Me It felt like, I mean, in a lot of ways, it was almost proto raconteurs because it's it was Jack covering a Brandon song, which is kind yeah. of what the raconteurs are, and vice versa. So I'm so yeah. happy he did that. That's awesome. Yeah. So they just sang, like, uh, got a 1984 Volvo, get in, pack it up, and I go, or whatever the exact lyrics are. I don't recall quite. I think it started up. Get in, it up, and I go. Then I go. Yeah, that makes more sense. For me.
2: A vintage well, it always good
1: they sang like a couple lyrics and then went right back into the song so that was really cool I was really excited and I was shouting at Mike the whole time like this is good to me and Mike's like what and she's like, uh, it's fine um, me and Mike were singing into each other's faces And, and you know, during <laughs> Some days I don't feel like trying Yeah, I put my arm around his shoulder and his around mine And we were just shouting the I'm not dead yet chorus at the end there Yeah, yeah, that's great That song is made for live performance in that way Yes, a very cathartic to shout that Especially where we were in DC I think Jack gets a kick out of playing DC I was really, really hoping for thoughts and prayers Yeah Because of where we were Because I, you know you know it's not completely political but you know the title's political yeah 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 we didn't get that at ours either he's not playing it at like any no and lily may was at the one i was at so i was like that would have been that would have been it that would have been the moment yeah. but and scarlet was that would have been great anyway well that's awesome james i'm so happy to hear you had a great time at the show real quick there's a guy when they do play help me stranger that comes out and plays yeah. the they're not congas are they congas yeah, it's uh yeah. it's like bongos or con I don't know which it which one I think they're congas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we know who that guy it's is? It's one of their roadies. It's the fella in the with the long hair, clean-shaven. Oh, okay. He was there for the ones I saw, but then I think Joshua V. Smith was another one. Anyway, the, I love when they have the roadies come out and do that, although it's kind of funny they already have an auxiliary player on the Stage with mm-hmm. Dean Fertita, who is for some reason still not considered an official Rack and tour, and they still need more auxiliary players for what are I way similar songs to one of the some of the stuff we heard on Boarding House Reach. So it's just uh, it's funny to me that all these different people <laughs> start showing up on stage to play the songs, but it does give you that sense that this tour is a little more back to basics, like bandy kind of thing, you know? Yeah, this blew my mind. Is that uh, on You Don't Understand Me? Jack got on piano, and, and the spotlight went on him, and he was playing You Don't Understand Me. And then at a certain point, he got off the piano. Dean stepped back into the piano and started doing the din dun 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 yeah. And Jack started doing, a like, a ripping solo through oh, You Don't nice. Understand Me, which I wasn't expecting because it's mostly a piano song and not a huge guitar solo song. So it was really cool to see that. Yeah. And, yeah, I loved it. The rust had gone off of there. Since I'd last seen them, you know, I saw the first show in 11 years, which was the, the 10 year show, and this was a whole other ball game. This was like completely, completely different. It was so good, so polished. They were spot on. Everything was great. Speaking of ball games, Jack apparently went to a Nationals game before and then after the show uh, went right back to, That's the, right. to the Nationals game. That made headlines across the internet and touched. People who never link to Jack stuff were linking to that. So I thought it was funny, and it happened to be the show you were at. Really cool, really cool stuff. And uh, yeah, really happy to see him again. And, you know, if I don't get to see him again uh, for another 11 years, well, he seems to have pulled it off. So I can't wait till the next show. Thank you for sharing your experience, James. And that's been uh, Fell in Love with the Show. Yeah, it's been a Fell in Love with the Show.
2: it before, repeating now.
1: All right, James. What do you say we get into this Olivia Jean interview here? We're gonna do a uh, tag team style. I'm gonna take the first half. You're gonna take the second half. We're gonna get in there. We're gonna ask some questions. What do you say? I'm way into it, Paul. I'm so excited to talk to Olivia here. Uh, let's let's go, Paul. I'm tagging you in. Hit my hand. Hit my hand, Paul. Uh, can I? May I have some Cheerios first? Yeah, they're Apple Oh, that's right. Ah. <laughs> We would like to welcome our very special guest to the show I can't believe I'm about to say this but Olivia Jean is joining us Olivia hello
0: hello there how are you
1: I'm just fine thank you uh why why did you agree to no I'm joking uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I've actually I've heard your podcast before I think you guys did a show involving me before and I heard it and it was really cool oh um,
1: yeah. We did not realize you heard that one. Uh, yeah. I, uh I retroactively apologize for whatever it is we said. <laughs> no, it
0: was really cool. I liked it. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, we're big fans of yours, as James can attest later. I think we really got to know you first when we saw you perform in Maryland at the uh, Merryweather Post Pavilion opening for Jack on the Lazaretto Tour, and that's when it sort of dawned on us. We're like, oh yeah, she's from the Black Bells, and of course we had known... The Colbert single and some of that stuff, but we weren't following too closely at that time. Anyway, we've been huge fans ever since, and I am so happy to have new music from you. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you, too. I'm really excited. It's been
1: way too long. Well, so let's start at the top here with just a little bit about you getting into music. We know you're a big surf rock fan, but what were some of your other early influences as you started out?
0: Yeah, so um, besides surf music... I love punk music. My big sister introduced me to some punk that, like a twelve-year-old, wouldn't really be listening to, like Crass, Anti-Flag, and and the such. So I had like uh, early influences from that kind of punk rock music. Also, garage rock from Detroit. Yeah, you know the Staples, the Dirt Bombs, the Gories, the White Stripes. Sure. You know, all of those guys. So it's kind of a mixture of all of that. Um, so like surf, punk and garage.
1: It's funny, I can hear a lot of that in your sound, even today, still swirling around. You were in such a prime spot during that influx of music. It seems like it would have been a pretty amazing time to be a music fan there. All these different venues and groups and all this stuff popping off. Did you get the sense that something special was happening in music at that place in that time?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, um, at the time when I had started kind of getting um, familiarized with like that garage rock scene, yeah, all of them were kind of already like stepping up on the platform. So I didn't get to experience that really, like, big, like, boom of garage rock music. Okay. However, people around my age were taking influences from them and creating bands that had a great garage rock sound when I was around. Actually, I did get to see the Dirt Bombs play... Right before Ben Blackwell moved to Nashville It was his last show before moving to Nashville The Third Man, which was kind of funny Because wow. I didn't know him at the time <laughs> um, Which was cool And then I also got into a lot of um, Like the art punk bands That were circulating through Detroit When I was like a pre-teen Like there's a band called Genders Who are really cool like, Roman Teat, like, that electronic kind of punk music as well was happening in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Along with the garage rock, which was really nice. Right. So there was a lot of that. I would go to a lot of those shows as well. Cool. Which were kind of, like, a lot of them were out of just kind of, like, sketchy houses. And I was really little going to these shows. And <laughs> yeah, so everyone's like, "Who are these Why is this little kid here? They should probably not be here right now."
1: Well, that's the vibe we get off of a lot of those those venues. Like, the Gold Dollar was just a shack, and you know, probably a drug den, and yeah. etc. I mean, RIP.
0: Yep. Um, but yeah, still to this day, those bands that I was listening to when I was that young are still my favorite bands. Right. You know, right. I still am influenced by all of those guys and i've been like really lucky to have met a lot of the people that i looked up to yeah and um yeah it's just amazing
1: and got to work with too i mean yeah. that's you know james and i have often talked about like wow you you did it like you lived the dream like you <laughs> you got out there you got a mixtape in the right hands and you did it
0: yeah i literally fell down when i got the call to go to third man well I got two calls the first one I thought I was being pranked (laughs) and then the second call was the one where I realized that it was actually someone from third man and it was Ben Swank okay and then the third call was Jack and then I really believed that it was happening (laughs) yeah
1: leave it to him to leave it to call number three All right, I I get
0: it (laughs)
1: So the tale goes, for people who don't know, the tale goes that you dropped off a mixtape at a Dead Weather show. And James and I had, like, to try and piece together some interviews and things to try and nail down which show that was. And we think it was the 2009 show, I think, at the Magic Stick. Was that Um, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yep. So I had actually heard about that show the night before. So I wasn't planning on going Right. And if I didn't hear about that secret show, none of this would have happened. And thinking about that makes my stomach turn. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> it just all fell into place. And yeah, and I've been working with them for 10 years, which a lot of people don't get to do that. They don't get to hang around a record label for that long. You know, they jump around right. and stuff. But the third man like, thing, they're such a family that they, they stay connected to their artists throughout the years and support them. Yeah. You know, no matter where they go, which is really cool. So, yeah. 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 Um,
1: it's a, it is really a family from what we've gathered.
0: Yeah. You know, hang out and have barbecues and play basketball, and it's just fun. It's like the best label to be on. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> No joke. It's Aww. it's a, like a family environment. It's really cool.
1: Who's crushing it on the on the basketball court? Is like Fats Kaplan just dunking on everybody, or how's that working?
0: Oh yeah, Fats Kaplan, you know, he's <laughs> super dangerous out there. But no, for real. I would say it's definitely Ben Blackwell. He's like Really? He's like ten feet tall and he's like comes out there and I'm like, Okay, I'm leaving the game and <laughs> <laughs> the pros are coming. <laughs>
1: Well, that I find surprising and yet not. I feel like you'd be a very competitive man.
0: I'm pretty good at defense. Sure. I'm not going to lie.
1: All right. Well, we'll take your word for it.
0: I get kind of sassy out there. <laughs> okay.
1: Oh, that's great. So, yeah, so you handed out the tape. It got to Jack, and then you got the call, and then you you were in.
0: Yep. I got a call from Jack, and he said he asked if I wanted to fly, to nashville yeah and uh do a session and so the flight was booked pretty quickly after that it was just all a big whirlwind of madness sure went down to nashville i brought my guitar had no idea what was going on and uh went into the studio and we recorded some of the music from that demo take that i had given him
1: right yeah which wound up on the black Bells album right
0: Yes, yes. A lot of those songs are from that demo, actually. And there are a few songs from that demo on my new record. Whoa, really? Yeah, because I don't want to waste them. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome.
1: Did any make it onto Bathtub Love Killings, too? Have you been sprinkling them? throughout
0: yeah they yeah actually a couple of them did go on to bathtub love killings some of my songs that didn't work well with the black bells yeah went on to my solo record
1: i got you okay yeah (laughs) well i'm gonna leave most of the black bells conversation for james because he's a big black bells fan but there is one thing i've been dying to ask you is do you keep in touch with the other former black bells and what's little boo up to these days
0: um, I keep in touch with Ruby and Shelby. Okay, um, they're both doing well, and um, yeah, Shelby's out on the West Coast now. Oh, cool! Still doing music, and she's actually like working in like leather engraving Whoa. now, which is really cool. Wow! Ruby's still playing music. I actually had her come on tour with me a little bit during my um my solo stuff, which is really cool. Huh? And then. The little boo, the fourth member,
2: <laughs> yeah. the
0: ever-revolving fourth member, <laughs> Yeah, no one knows what happened to them. Oh, no. They just kind of, like, appeared and then disappeared. No one knows. Like the bell
1: witch before her just yes. faded into oblivion. Now, James had a theory that perhaps the bell witch was simply a rat infestation that was blown out of proportion. Can you speak to that at all? <laughs>
0: I've never heard of that before. Okay. But it is the only documented uh, ghost story in in the U.S. history. Yeah. The Bell Witch, which is kind of neat.
1: It scared like Andrew Jackson, right? I.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried going there once, but they were closed.
1: Oh. It was
0: a bummer. I need to go back. That would be amazing to play a show in there. It would. <laughs> I mean, and very consistent
1: with Third Man's whole aesthetic and want for bizarre locations for content.
0: Yeah, maybe if the Black Bells ever get together, that would be the the thing we do. Ah, uh, that be so. Is that a possibility?
1: Is that open?
0: Um, I hope so. One day, I really do. Um, we we haven't talked about it, but it's really nice that people are still complimenting the Black Bells and saying like, "When's another Black Bells record gonna come out?" and stuff. Right. It's really nice, and I think we'd be into it. But there are no plans yet. Sure. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I really miss that dynamic. It was so nice being in that band with those girls. It was... All of us had so much in common, and it was a chemistry that I think happens like once in a lifetime. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Like the perfect chemistry of a band. Huh. Yeah.
1: It always seemed like you were the centerpiece of it, but the difference between the sound just sonically is distinct, I would say, between the two projects. I don't know if that's a result of the other band members' input or more of like what your general aesthetic was as a band, but when you were approaching each project, was a frame of mind one of the things that was different about each of them? Like, how, how would you describe the difference between, say, "Bathtub the Love Killings and the Black Bells album?
0: Well, with the Black Bells, we wanted to stay true to kind of the aesthetic but also stay true to kind of like that pop punk kind of sound, yeah. but still keep it darker. So we used a lot of distortion. We were really loud, yeah. so loud. All we had were big muffs on stage. That's the only pedal we wanted. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was very loud.
0: <laughs> um, we were very minimal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just kind of happened that way. All of our styles collectively kind of, it turned into this kind of like darker pop punk thing. Yeah. And then for my own solo stuff, I wanted to go a little bit less dark. I guess you can say yeah. I wanted to try to work in some surf influences right. which kind of worked out but I think that the surf thing is more um It's more apparent in my new record. Yes.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we jump to the new record, I just had one question I wanted to ask you about Bethel Blood Killings. My favorite song on that record is After the Storm. I love that track because I thought, and I don't know if this was what you were thinking when you wrote it, but there's a line in there, catch yourself daydreaming about violence because you're not used to the silence of camaraderie. I love that line so much because it sums up to me like a... Horrible relationship <laughs> where, mm-hmm. where one of the people Is grappling with Comfort in a Uncomfortable way uh, wh- Could you tell us a little bit about How you wrote that song or uh, how, how it came together in the studio or any insight on that one?
0: Yeah I wrote that song completely And that line is kind of like uh, It's like you're surrounded by Craziness and you're just Expecting the worst right. So in your head you're like okay, Something bad's gonna happen Right Right. You know I'm not used to Being calm Right now <laughs> Something bad Is going to happen right. So that's kind of What that That line meant
1: So anxiety about Things going well
0: y- Yeah Sort of Kind of like being like In a world of negativity And you just Know that something bad's going to happen right. Again Right So you're not used to it You're You're stuck in that mindset Kind of You're not used to goodness <laughs> what,
1: what a nightmarish And relatable thought
0: <laughs> Yeah Right about, like, love or happiness,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it just doesn't get my blood pumping, you know? Yeah. It's usually uh, revenge, <laughs> anger, <Sure>. sadness, loneliness. <laughs> but it's usually set
1: to such a bright melody, which is what I love about your music. I don't know, I find something similar in Marco Price's music, where she talks a lot about horrible s***, but it's all in a major key, and it gives you that little silver lining just subliminally a little bit do you think about that when you're writing these songs about juxtaposing lyric with a maybe a brighter melody
0: um actually no, it just kind of comes naturally to me. Usually what I do is I re- I like to record music first and then lyrics afterwards. Yeah. So I don't really pair the music to the words. Sure. It kind of comes together after everything's finished because right. I I started out doing instrumental music and I loved like writing instrumental music. So I'll do that and yeah. then I'll add in lyrics later. Okay. And so usually it's not intentional right that it's like sad lyrics Paired with pop music But I do like that I do like that it ends up being that
1: It's funny that your inclination for music Tends to be so sunny And then your inclination for lyric Tends to be so like
0: Not sad
1: But it embraces those Darker feelings
0: Yeah like writing lyrics That's what gets me going That's like Right That's when I really want to sit down And vent You know it's like You're having a bad day You want to sit down And vent about it Yeah And uh, that's the time When I'm most inspired To write words.
1: Sure. I think my main takeaway from this interview is that I would make a wonderful psychologist. Yeah. That'll be $30, please. Oh,
0: no. Can I give you a free record?
1: Yes, you can and always will be able to, please. And thank you. All right, cool. It's a deal. (laughs) So you mentioned instrumentals. Your new record, Night Owl, which is amazing, by the way, ends on an instrumental. And you've got, I think there's another one in there, too, somewhere. Were those any songs you tried lyric with and it just didn't work? Or were they intended to be that way?
0: Um, Tsunami Sue was intended to be instrumental, and I played everything on that track. Whoa. And then, yeah... Everything on that one. The other sort of instrumental one is called Siren Call. Right. And that's kind of like a surf thing, and I played everything on that song Wow. as well. That song has a few lyrics, but what I find in surf music is that, or any kind of instrumental music, is it's really hard to play those songs live if there are zero vocals. Mm-hmm. So I tried to add in a little bit of vocals Not to Tsunami Sue, but to, like, Siren Call. Yeah. And then there's another surf song called Garage Bat, where I have a few lyrics in there. Yeah. I just feel like, um, not only for the song itself, but for playing it live, Mm. it makes it more fun and more interesting. You know, you kind of always want, like, when I'm watching an instrumental band, even though I love it, I'm kind of waiting for them to go up to the mic and say something.
1: Of seeing you with your band last year. I think a year, Facebook reminded me, a year ago this weekend, I think I heard a couple songs on this record. Were you trying a few of those out on the road?
0: Yes, actually, we were playing a few of the new songs on the road. Yeah. Kind of getting a reaction, which was a good idea because it was really exciting because people seemed to dig the songs. Yeah Which was cool Because when we chose that As the single I had already played it live And it had gotten A a good response
1: Fantastic Yeah Yeah Well let's talk about That song a little bit Is that the one Where Blackwell joins you On drums For that one?
0: Yeah he did (laughs) I'm honored I didn't think He would want to (laughs) But Because I'm like The Dirt Bombs Are very influential To a lot of people From Detroit So It was really cool To have him on the track And yeah, we just called him up And I was like, you probably don't want to do this But will you play? And he's like, yeah And then he was there in like five minutes And oh, it was great. so much fun He plays with so much power yeah. And it's like Yeah, we, we recorded that song live In the room It was so much fun uh, He's awesome He yeah. is,
1: and uh, known for his animated antics At the drums, I think He's yeah. busted his head open a couple times, I think Speaking of those sessions, we know this album's been in the works for a little while. Could you give us a little bit of an elaboration on some of the different periods in which you were recording, or were you sort of just chipping away over time?
0: In the beginning, I was kind of chipping away over time. Yeah. We didn't really have a plan, so I didn't have... I didn't say I was going to go into the studio for a couple weeks and record. It was kind of like a little bit here and a little bit there, mm-hmm. and then... Um, but like last year, we started really consistently working on stuff. Right. And I did a lot of the recording with Josh Smith. Yeah. Who works a lot with Jack. So whenever he had like free time when he wasn't out on the road with Jack or he wasn't working on other third man projects, me and him would book time mm-hmm. and uh, work a little bit here and there. A little bit of the reason why it took so long is I was trying to record every single instrument on the record. Okay. But that that takes a really long time. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, yeah. For a multi-instrumentalist such as yourself, it would have been definitely an attainable challenge, but yes, sounds like t- very time-consuming.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So when I started bringing in a band, everything started happening a lot faster, Yeah. and then the record kind of just started coming together more. So it started out at me kind of like chipping away, trying to record everything on my own, Uh you know, when I could, when we had the studio time. And then this year we really like consistently worked, you know, maybe like a week every month for a minute, just trying to figure things out. And then after that, I started mixing the record. And that was with Logan Matheny, Mm -hmm. who's really cool. So we had tried to use... Some digital effects And experimented with that For a while But after experimenting And realizing You can't really get Any better than analog Yeah We just ended up taking all of that digital stuff out that we had worked really hard on trying to get it to sound right and that took a lot of time as well and we're like we could have saved so much time if we would have just gone analog (laughs) you know it's funny
1: you say that i I caught what i perceived to be some remnants of something like that but were they all stripped out like you just
0: man we we stripped like all of them out and that was kind of a like almost like a last minute thing it's like Because we had spent so much time trying to get these to sound a certain way, and then we're like, okay, it's just not there. Right. Let's just strip these things, put them all through analog, and it's like, oh, my God, the difference is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a lot of, like, trial and error because I produced this record. So there was a lot of learning curves that happened that kind of, like, dragged out the process. Sure. But I've learned so much that next time, I'm saying, okay, one week, all analog, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) I've learned a lot. I've learned a ton. Wow. And a lot of that is thanks to, like, Josh Smith and Logan Matheny for really helping me, because it's my first time producing a record. Yeah. So a lot of the time I was learning, and they were very patient. Very patient.
1: (laughs) Wow. You would never know it's your first time around. It sounds so consistent, just... Sonically speaking, like, just as good, if not better than Beth, of Love Killings in that regard, so... At the time of the recording of this interview, we don't actually have physical copies of the album, so I couldn't see the credits, but that's amazing! That's so cool! Congratulations!
0: Thank you very much! Thank you so much! It's been a really good experience, a great learning experience, being able to be involved in every aspect. The writing, the producing, the mixing... I got to sit in the room while the vinyl was being cut. Ooh. Yeah, so it's been a really cool experience. Wow.
1: You mentioned Garage Bat earlier. That sets quite a tone for the record. It really, I described it as instantly lovable, a surf rock gem.
2: Oh, thank you.
1: Can you tell us a little bit how you sequenced uh, the record or when you're going in with, say, Bathtub Love Killings or the Black Bells album? Do you have any philosophy when it comes to sequencing? I mean, it seems that you tend to put big kick-in-the-door rockers toward the front, track one kind of thing, whereas some artists maybe save those for two or three. Do you have a philosophy there, or is it just, like, all feel?
0: I like to kind of, I like to mix it up a little bit. I do think that a record should start off with, like, a kick-in song. Yeah. Of course. But I personally don't like when songs go, like, they're super heavy, and then all those slower, sadder songs are towards the end. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to mix it up a little bit. Uh-huh and then also there are other factors that go into it you know like what key is this song in okay we can't have two songs in (laughs) G right next to each other that's right that's right yeah there's a bunch of stuff you really got to think about and and a lot of time goes into sequencing and and that's something that is kind of sad these days because a lot of people will just you know listen to one song on a record and and not listen to the whole thing and A lot of time does go into sequencing, actually. Yeah. It does take thought.
1: Especially on a a vinyl record, because then you're worried about how you're closing each side and opening each side as well. Yeah. That's so funny. You said the thing about what key and that playing a role. I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about similar things in live sets. Like, you have to pay attention. Like, you don't want to... You can't keep the sameness, even in a live set. Do you find the coming up with a set list and sequencing an album have similar challenges
0: yeah yep you have to space it out just the right way and yeah it goes into set list as well with live though you can have fun with like kind of transitioning into the other song so if a song is in the same key it's kind of cool to like go into that just like blend it seamlessly right into the next song so yeah even sequencing a set list. Is important A lot of people Don't realize that Musicians really Think about this stuff Quite a bit Right Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) you have to, especially when you're in that role, like especially producing, Mm -hmm. too. You mentioned, you know, having to space out the slow songs. Yeah, You're not famous for your ballads. Uh, You don't have many of those. They're usually kind of barn burners all the way through. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I don't have any ballads? I mean, I guess like like Haunt (laughs) Haunt Me is kind of ballad-ish on the last record. It's, It's got some ballady moments in it, but the first real acoustic... Guitar we get on the record even is the is the song Brushfire. I had a question about the end of that song. Is that you dueling with yourself on guitar? <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's a that's a cover of the Flame and Groovies. Okay. Brushfire.
2: Okay. And, okay.
0: Yes. And um yeah that is me dueling guitar solos at the end and I kind of had to explain it like I had to take like three pieces of paper right and. <laughs> Because no one really understood I'm like, okay, so oh, yeah. this piece of paper is one solo And then halfway <laughs> through that piece of paper That's when the other one comes And then a quarter way through this piece of paper <laughs> Is the next solo So you were basically Brian
1: Wilsoning it all the way through I got it
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah I love playing that, that song I was working my way through Kansas On a dollar and a boy's grin.
2: When I fell into misconfortion with the help of the demon gem, where well, my mind simply left my body as I drowned in a pea green fence, and it goes by the name of Dottie. Dottie, won't you do it again? She said, I don't.
0: We've been rehearsing because we're going on tour at the Rackin' Tours pretty soon, me and my band. That's one of my most favorite songs to play. I love that guitar solo, and I played it true to the song. I didn't kind of manipulate it in my own way because I love that song so much. Yeah. And also the Black Bells covered uh, Flame and groovy song, too, Lies.
1: Oh, right. So okay, it's yeah.
0: Kind of a throwback. Yes. Sure, sure.
1: I have a couple more here, and then James is going to join us here. I wanted to talk a little bit about "Shut Your Mouth," which is amazing. You wield the surf sound on that like a weapon, um, <laughs> and uh, and the band really comes together on that one. Can is that a band performance or is that you? Um,
0: that is a band performance. Um, I spotted it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I had written the song. Let's see. I think I recorded it. All on my own, uh-huh. and then um, decided to bring my band in, who I was touring with, because they had it down. Like it sounded so cool with those musicians that we ended up just like recording that song live yeah. with my touring musicians, and it ended up sounding really powerful and cool.
1: super tight and that's been your touring group for a little while now right Over a little over a year
0: uh, yeah I've had a, f- a few different members over the year but yeah I've worked with some great musicians here in Nashville I mean I'm really lucky they're all just like young musicians just really hungry to tour and sure. super talented this town is just so talented yeah yeah I'm really lucky to have found these musicians and we're all friends like fun to hang out it's been a good experience I think recording, like, Shut Your Mouth with those people live made the song so much better, like, sounding. Yeah,
1: it, it feels like you're going to war together on that one. <laughs>
0: yes, sir, we certainly are, yes.
1: <laughs> So the song Into, that one, I guess, you know, listening to it, I got the impression that you were wrestling with, per- like, indecision or second-guessing. I was wondering if it was maybe even a reflection on life in the music industry. So I guess my question on this one is twofold. Is that at all what this song is about, or if not, what is it about? And can you tell us a little bit about what it's been like navigating the music industry? Because it's a tricky journey, from what we gather.
0: Well, you're really good at analyzing lyrics, because that is what it's about. It's kind of like, there are a lot of hardships in music that you go through, and you sometimes... You know, I, I'll i never stop playing music, but yeah. there are a lot of times when you question, can I really handle how intense, you know, it is to be on a platform like that? Right. Is it going to change me? I don't want to feel like I need to write for people's approval. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that is kind of what it's about. So yeah, good job man. Hey,
1: well, that'll, that'll be another $30, please Thank you <laughs>
0: Dang it <Ugh. laughs> I'm trying to buy some guitar pedals for tour, man
1: <laughs> I, you, No one told you this was going to be expensive I apologize um, So I, I'm just going to do a couple lightning round questions Because James and I have a lightning round here at the end So I'm going to handle a couple of these And James will capture uh, the others These are real quick questions Lightning round response We'll get the music going That'll be seamless, I promise. <laughs> did Kate Pearson ever slip you a key to the love shack? Slash, do you have any theories about where the love shack is actually located?
0: I did not. Okay. I do not.
1: All right, damn it. All right.
0: Unfortunately. All right. Well,
1: I have theories, but you I have guess for another day.
0: Maybe if I ever get to hang with Kate again, I will ask.
1: Okay. See that now we're getting somewhere. This is very good. <laughs> uh, you played drums on uh, the songs Bust, "Machine Gun Silhouette," and "Would You Fight for My?" do you and jack ever get into guitarist who can also play drum competitions
0: do we get in drum guitar competitions
1: do you get in competitions as to who can be the better guitarist slash drummer and do you ever have a drum off like the movie Drumline, which is what i assume that movie is about
0: <laughs> no because i would lose <laughs> okay <laughs> But we did, in my last record, the bathtub record, the last song, Cat Fight. Yes. That's me and Jack battling guitars. Fighting it out. Okay. That's us battling.
1: See, that's perfect. (laughs) Uh, And (laughs) my last in the lightning round here is not a question at all. It's just I really love the song Rhinestone, and I really hope you play that one live on your uh, current set of live appearances. Okay, fantastic. I know it's not a question, but I just wanted to say that.
0: Yeah, that's one of uh, my favorites to play live.
1: It's excellent. Before I hand you off to James here I just want to thank you again. I am a huge huge fan of yours I think your music is excellent. I'm so happy we have new music from you. I'm holding the Night Owl single in my hand right now and I encourage all our listeners to pick up the full album from Olivia Jean. It is out now in your shop now. Pick it up. It's lovely Olivia Jean. Holy shit I just talked to Olivia Jean
0: That's amazing. (laughs) I just talked to you Thank you so much Thank you so much
1: Tagging in here, as you can hear, I sound almost identical to Paul. It confuses many of our listeners. I apologize. I'm James. Hi, Olivia Jean.
0: Hi, James.
1: Actual, real rock star. Thank you for being on the show. Hi. <laughs> we have been fans of yours forever, and by forever, I mean since we like have been diving into Third Man Records. Uh, your single with Stephen Colbert was actually the first non-Jack White headlining. 45 I've ever bought in my entire life was the Black Bells single, and we fell in love, like, with the music instantly.
0: Oh, thank you. That was so much fun, man. One of the best things ever to happen to me. (laughs) Well... I have many
1: questions about that, if you want to dive into that. I don't know how much uh, you could say or whatever, but I love that single, Charlene 2 and Charlene, hilarious singles. Was that recorded like all the other Blue Series singles? Was that like live and and done really quick? Or was there a little more prep work to this? Because I know Comedy Central had some input, I'm sure.
0: Well, the way it worked out is Colbert had this song, Charlene, I'm Over You, and they Mm -hmm. um, wanted us to do our own take on that. So we recorded our own cover of the original Charlene, I'm Over You.
2: Every time I see you, I think of you. Every time I'm near you, I think of you. I think of you when I dream of you, when I'm taking pictures of you.
0: I wrote the music for Charlene Part 2. Okay. And we sent that over to Colbert's team, and then he took that music and wrote his lyrics to it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Whose idea was it to put the A-side was Charlene 2 and the B-side as just Charlene? Because to me, I just assumed it was a joke because the sequel to the song is the A-side.
0: Yeah, the the fresh stuff first.
1: Okay. You know? (laughs) Yeah
0: Because everybody knows the story of Charlene That's a classic Colbert Oh yeah You know, everyone knows that So they want to know what happened next And then you go backwards
1: That and Bears are the enemy Yeah, those are the two. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I missed that show
0: And if you haven't seen the Colbert Charlene, I'm over you video Watch it It is hilarious and it makes me cry every time
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is Steven a nice guy to hang out with?
0: He's very nice, yes So nice okay. So funny, yeah.
2: I used to be right behind you, hoping to catch your eye. But now I've half a mind to finally say goodbye. I'm finished looking through your door, won't check your mailbox anymore. I bet you're wondering why. I'm over you, Charlene. It's all over now. Charlene, it's all over now We'll have to be just friends Gonna sell my telephoto lens I'm over you, Charlene I'm done watching you cook dinner While I'm perched in your sycamore tree and by the way, you're looking thinner Not that it matters to me Moved your portrait from my front hall To a room I barely use at all
1: Between that single and the Elvira's Movie Macabre, the Black Bells have really hit all of my kind of go-to points between comedy and weird horror stuff. How did you get to... uh, How did the Black Bells, I should say, get to Elvira's Movie Macabre theme? Were you an Elvira fan to begin with?
0: Uh, Yeah, all of us in the Black Bells are Elvira fans, as you can see from our hair. (laughs) Um, And Jack White's friends with Elvira.
1: Is he really? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And so, yeah... I mean, it just kind of was a perfect mix. It was just the perfect idea for her to be involved in the third man thing. That tracks. So that's how it worked out, she hosted our record release. Yeah, surreal. So weird.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> the song is great, and I was so happy to see it on the relaunch of the movie Macab. dive into the Black Bell stuff because I know Paul covered a lot of the new album, which is Night Owl, by the way, and it is fantastic. Brushfire is one of my favorites on there. Thank you. Stylistically, it's pretty different from Bathtub Love Killings. It's got a lot more guitar-driven sound. Can you tell us a little bit about what differentiates that record from uh, Bathtub Love Killings?
0: Um, Well, I think that the reason why it's more guitar-driven, the new record is more guitar-driven, is because I produced it, which meant... That if I heard another melody in my head I'm like, okay, I'll, keep re- I'll record that too And then five minutes later Oh, wait, hang on, I have another one Another one, another one, another one <laughs> So I had to really uh, Me producing my own record Yeah, I'm just going to keep adding stuff to, to those songs <laughs>
1: I mean, why not? you've got all the time you got all the the, it's all you 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 did it (laughs)
0: yeah it was fun yeah I'll just keep adding to songs until they're basically impossible to play live (laughs) you need like 20 guitar players but we pull it off
1: your own orchestra your own Olivia orchestra Mm mm-hmm Olivistra if you will
0: oh I love it
1: I must say my child also loved it my one month old fell in love with the album too because he was crying quite a bit and I was trying to get a Second, listened to some of the songs, and uh, he was soothed by your dulcet tones. It was, it was, uh, it was very good.
0: That makes me so happy. Whenever kids like music because it's truthful, I'm sure you've heard that before. Yeah, they're yeah, the yeah. most honest critics. That makes me so happy. Yeah, when we were mixing the album, uh, Logan Matheny was mixing with me, and his little toddler mm-hmm. came in oh, and was nice. dancing. To grouch bat and that just made me so happy. It's like, oh, <laughs> approval. Like that's better than hearing it from like your hero. Oh, is seeing a little kid dancing. Yeah, because <laughs> you know it's one hundred percent
1: honest. Yeah, they're they're not gonna lie to you. They're gonna no. Nope. They're gonna dance if they. They like. don't know how. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um Well, you're in good company because the only other musician who's been able to soothe my baby has been Muddy Waters. Weirdly, uh, so. <laughs> there you go, uh, my baby loves the blues and uh, surf pop. It's it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> you have a cool baby.
1: Uh, yes, it's cooler than me for sure.
0: <laughs> Tell your baby I said thank you.
1: I, I will. <laughs> he's going to take over my name at some point. Anyway, he's a junior, so you know he's he's the better version of me. He's the sequel. He's the Charlene two. <laughs> um, your guitar playing is rooted pretty heavily in, in surf, which you can hear a lot in Night Owl for sure. And you can hear in, in Bath Club Love Killings as well, but it's definitely a lot more prevalent now. But it also carries some rockabilly stuff, even in the Black Bells, like you could hear honky-tonk horror. Mm-hmm. How would you say your style has changed over the years? And any guitarist influences? Uh, I'm assuming Dick Dale's in there.
0: Yeah, uh, Dick Dale, Link Ray, Safaris, mm-hmm. you know, all of those guitar players. I love catchy riffs mm-hmm. uh, that could almost be like vocal melodies, but playing them on guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, influences, yeah. A lot of surf guitarists. Brian Setzer for, like, the more rockabilly sounds. Mm -hmm. I can't really pinpoint too many other influences. It's more like, um, I hear the songs in my head before I write them, and it's it's all melodies. So I'll just play those melodies and then just keep layering and layering and layering. Mm -hmm. Mostly my songs are pretty straightforward, and then I'll just add in like those melodies that I hear in my head that could be a vocal melody, but yeah, I, I just layer things a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And in, influences mostly like punk and surf and grudge.
1: Are you a surfer yourself or are you just a part of the surf culture?
0: No, I'm from Detroit and the closest to surfing has been on just like one of those like body boards <laughs> well, you with could, some lame waves. You
1: could surf <laughs> on the Great Lakes. You could try it. I mean, there's more ice than waves, but you know, it's fine.
0: Ice surfing. There's
1: also more pollution, I'm sure, than yeah than waves, but uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> No, I've never surfed before. Okay. But one day.
1: Yeah. The song I Used to Be Lonely on Night Owl fuses surf and country pretty nicely. Was that a conscious choice or just something that naturally evolved?
0: Uh, just naturally. I, I haven't, I didn't know it sounded kind of country, but that's cool. Maybe Nashville's finally starting to influence me a little bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I mean, you've been there You've been there for quite a while at this point. It would make sense because it's been, what, uh, 10 years probably since you've been there? Or have you gone back and forth since then?
0: Uh, 10 years since I've been working with Third Man. Okay. And then um, I kind of, like, I lived here for a minute, then moved back to Detroit, then moved back to Nashville. Um, I just wasn't, you know, in the beginning, you're not sure. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and just, like... Okay, I'm moving to Nashville. Yeah. You know, we did I didn't really know what was going on. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't want to be like, okay, I'm drop everything. I'm, I'm going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've, I've lived here, I think consistently for maybe like six or seven years. Okay. And I like it a lot.
1: I tried going on Broadway and the cacophony of noise. Uh, you mentioned layering. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, it was, it was intense.
0: Yeah, there's a band playing every two feet I like going down there When I first moved here I loved going down there and watching Those bands because Their skill is insane Mm -hmm. Like those country players are amazing I would never play country music But just watching them And watching how fast they can pick And how technical they are Is really inspiring to me Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: um, nowadays Nashville is getting insane There are so many people moving here So I don't really go down to Broadway too much anymore. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But when I do, it's fun. It's funny. Yeah, it's just chaos down there. Yeah. But uh, even if you don't like country, just like going and watching those bands on Broadway is so inspiring.
1: Yeah, it was pretty intense over
0: there. If you get through all the bridesmaid mobiles and screaming People,
1: a lot of woos. Which is still
0: kind of funny. A
1: lot of woos and a lot of 90s <laughs> slash 2000s music being bumped right behind your, your vehicle. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got screamed at quite a bit. <laughs> now, uh, with the Black Bells, the Dead Weather were a stylistic forerunner for them in a lot of ways, at least in terms of third man artists. Did you find that the aesthetic kind of was a natural fit into, into that environment?
0: Um, we didn't really think about that. We didn't really think about that at all. Okay. Um, It just kind of had been naturally. uh, They weren't trying to stay within any kind of theme Mm -hmm. stylistically. It just happened, you know.
1: Yeah. We had spoken with Brandy St. John earlier this year about styling the Dead Weather. Did she ever do any styling with the Bells, or was this all you guys coming up with your own thing?
0: I've met Brandy. She's really cool, but um, no, she didn't work with us. Okay. Me, Shelby, and Ruby all had really similar styles. I guess you would say goth, but kind of poking fun at it in a way. You know, I had a locket with Nosferatu in it, (laughs) like that kind of thing, you know? So we all had like that same style. And then Jack White had these hats Mm -hmm. and they're the black bells hats. He collects hats and he saw them at a factory and they were blanks. So they were the hats before they got pressed and steamed into the shape of a, like a fedora. So that's Uh what the hat looks like before it's shaped. And then he had those, and he was like, okay, you can, like, you guys wear these hats. And we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Why not? Okay, so we wore the hats, and then it just became our thing, which was cool. Yeah. We didn't have to do our hair, which was nice. Yes. And...
1: Uh, <laughs> a lot of extra work.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then um, when we were in the studio, the whole, like, the... I guess we had, like, a witch theme, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a broom in the studio... <laughs> and I said And I took the broom And I said we should Be witches okay. And It just happened Yeah But um All three of us Already had that style going So it wasn't Put together by somebody else. Okay, but Jack is responsible for the awesome hats.
1: Okay, Uh, because the way I was picturing it was uh, was some kind of Wiccan coven all got together, and that was the aesthetic I got. And uh, so it's nice to see that you saw a broom and decided.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't even a creepy broom. It was like a bright red, just like lame broom.
1: Oh man! Anyway, Uh, that's
0: how it happened. See, Uh, mysterious and dark, isn't
1: it? I mean, a modern. what would a modern witch fly on aside from like a broom from target uh is
0: maybe like a segway yeah. or a scooter
1: exactly
0: a vespa yeah a Roomba a...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's constantly bumping into other objects it doesn't fly you're still on a regular Roomba but it's yeah
0: <laughs> um... let's say Roomba yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> We've heard tales of the black bells living out of one house in Nashville while recording and touring to build camaraderie. Did any songs evolve out of those close quarters?
0: That was our rehearsal space. Our rehearsal space was in the attic. Okay. And so I would write I would write the songs and then the uh, Ruby and Shelby would come in and they would I, I had kinda all the parts already written out mm-hmm. and then they would come in and play the the parts I had written. And kind of put their own flair onto it. Okay. They contributed a ton. I was the main songwriter, though. They contributed their their style. Okay. Yeah, that attic was nasty. It was... (laughs) We just... Me and Ruby, when we moved down to Nashville, we were just so happy to have found a place that we could afford. Mm -hmm. Little did we know that attic was covered in black mold. Uh, It was... There was no air conditioning Mm -hmm. And actually the reason we had to move out Is because the roof caved in In that attic (laughs) So we wrote and rehearsed In that attic And I miss it actually a lot Yeah that was so much fun Having like that one house Where all of us hung out And we would do our haircuts On the front porch Cut each other's (laughs) bangs No joke Yeah, it was really fun.
1: Well, this sounds like a sitcom uh, it's with a <laughs> twist in that there's a black mold villain, you know, lying somewhere in the house. I'm glad you escaped without any respiratory illness or, you know, roof caving in on you guys. Oh, my God. Were you in the house when that happened?
0: <laughs> yeah. You w- that was kind of the last straw. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Me and Ruby did get sick a lot. And yeah, I guess... Yeah, we just didn't know any better. I mean, we were just excited to have our own place.
1: If that <laughs> if that wasn't the last straw, I would be very curious what was because if the roof collapsed and you're just like, well, I guess we could still live here.
0: Yeah, we would have totally still lived there. I mean, <laughs> and I drove past that house where it was the other day and they tore it down. Aww. Such a shame. Dang. Yeah, but yeah, I probably should have <laughs> kept
1: the energy, and that's yeah. what matters. Yeah. Uh, the house lives on in the Bells, but... Um,
0: yeah, some of that black mold probably still on our hats, you know. We, yeah! You know, the memories are still there. <laughs>
1: Carrying it from place to place like some kind of Johnny Appleseed for black molds. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, You play a lot on Jack White's first album, Blunderbuss. You play on eight out of the 13 tracks on that album, which is a huge contribution to that record.
0: I didn't realize I had played that much (laughs) on it.
1: (laughs) Three of the eight tracks, you're just in the background, just fiddling away, and Jack decides to keep it on there.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, with me, it's like such an honor to work with them and And anything, like, I was just like, you just call me and I will be there. Like, yeah, call me, I will drop everything and be there. Yeah. So they had me on a lot of sessions. I'm really lucky. Well, that album
1: is a career highlight. A lot of people consider it one of his best. And your work is partly responsible for that. It's some great stuff on there. Any fun memories of those sessions that you can share? Uh, I'm assuming no roofs collapsed during those sessions, but...
0: No, unfortunately, they're not as cool as we are. <laughs>
1: and not,
0: you know, and not as dangerous. Yeah. Uh, I did bring a little black mold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just just to, you know, to give a touch of home, you know.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, but um, I guess, like, the most interesting experience, it was the, do you know Blues on Two Trees? Oh, yeah. The B-side to I'm Shaken?
1: One of me and Paul's favorites, yes.
0: Yeah, mine too. I love it. That was a really fun experience because... What Jack wanted He didn't know what he wanted The percussion to sound like Or the sounds to sound like Mm -hmm. He had us all take A random instrument And I think there were like Ten of us I don't even remember There were a lot (laughs) And we were all in a circle Okay Mm -hmm. We were all like Facing each other In a circle Okay And we would go One by one Like say like I would play One note on my instrument Next person next to me Play something Next person and then go around the circle and everyone just keep randomly playing something. Something didn't have to make any sense towards, wow. you know, the music. So we were all in a circle with different instruments, just kind of like experimenting with sounds. That was really cool.
2: Trees stand still, they don't move, you see. That's more commitment than you'll get from me. So quit quitting!
1: So you guys were all in the same room for that song. Like, I, I'm assuming there was a little bit of overdubbing or tracking with that as well. But you guys were just all in the same room doing that song.
0: Mm-hmm. It was really fun. Did
1: <laughs> so? Were you there when he when he was shouting "Leave"? Because that is one of the
0: no the
1: most visceral <laughs> things I've heard him shout uh, on a song.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, no, I, we weren't in the room when he, he did the lyrics. It was okay. he did that after the music was recorded. It was more of like an experiment really. I think he was experimenting and seeing what would come from it.
1: I mean, you could draw a lot of connections between that and Boarding House Reach. So that, I mean, that song is very hip hoppy in style and uh, along with the experimental kind of rock. And it's incredible that you got to play on that one.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Me and Paul have been wanting to know more about the recording of that for quite some time, actually.
0: Well, now you know.
1: Now we know. <laughs> you also recorded with the brush-offs on Strikeout for the Tigers single. Any stories on that? Because that was with Dominic Davis and Brendan Benson, right? And Blackwell was on drums on that?
0: Uh-huh, yeah, the Detroiters. Yeah. Um, so I was, when I tune my guitar, I'll play a scale, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh-huh. So I was just tuning my guitar, and then I played the scale, and then Brandon was like, "Oh, that's cool. Let's use that." <laughs> and so that we kind of built the song off of the off of that, and it became something else. Um, wow! Yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> But uh Dominic Davis like he took it and like added in like the kids and the vocals and stuff and everything mm-hmm. it was kind of like a Dom- Dominic's project and he's actually done a another baseball record like that yeah, yeah. afterwards yeah
1: that opened a lot of people's doors to 45s again because a lot of baseball fans signed up to get it as a baseball thing and now you know started a record collection again after you know however many years yeah that's
0: cool it's it's so nice to see vinyl coming back you it's so weird i saw vinyl in target the other day yeah i was so happy
1: was there a witch buying a broom and a vinyl there as well
0: oh my gosh yes and she was riding a roomba down the aisle it's
1: was,
0: it was amazing her
1: familiar is the target dog um
0: <laughs> i hitched a ride oh, from man. her and we're hanging out right now <laughs>
1: I think Paul did a lightning round with you as well. I'm going to go for a couple of those questions as well, if you'll permit me. What made you want to do a laser tag release listening event, and who do you think will win?
0: I love laser tag. Okay. I love it. I take it very seriously, and I am gonna win. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. No mercy. No mercy. Side note. (laughs) No alliances either. (laughs) Okay, don't come to me and say, well, let's start an alliance. No.
1: <laughs> Side note, how likely is a good, bad, and the ugly laser shootout with you and the band?
0: How likely? 100%. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> can you help me, off your new album, bring some of the Motown sound that your songs sometimes play with? Uh, is there a top Motown influence?
0: Um, I love the Dixie Cups. Okay, Yes.
1: Is there a favorite song that you can introduce us to?
0: Ain't That Nice.
1: Okay. What's the best diner in Nashville or the best diner in Detroit?
0: Uh, Best diner in Nashville. I love Fenwick's. uh, Okay. Fenwick's 3000. Okay. Um, And Waffle House. All right. And uh, best diner in Michigan? Man. Big boy.
1: All right. Uh, (laughs) Best place to get a Coney?
0: Oh, Lafayette.
1: All right. Yeah. In
0: Detroit. I think yep.
1: uh, I think Ko had also mentioned Lafayette. When we get to Detroit, we will we will try them out. If you gotta experience it. Who would win in a fight, George Joseph Smith, whom I think is the bathtub love Kill serial killer, or the Bell Witch?
0: Oh, um, probably the Bell Witch.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I don't like tying in that serial killer with my stuff. You know, yeah. Bell Witch would would win.
1: Okay, that's fair. Let's go with the <laughs> bell. Because
0: that way. guy was a jerk. Yes. That guy was a jerk.
1: Yeah. Uh, John Pahachan Ho is a highlight of the new single, which we were unfamiliar with when we actually looked it up and it was a Bollywood tune. Mm-hmm. And it's actually in the Ghost World briefly. What was the inspiration behind taking that as a cover?
0: No, I didn't know it was in Ghost World until after I'd heard it. I love like watching Scopatones on YouTube, okay. and that came up. If you haven't seen the footage of John Pahachan Ho being performed in Gumnam, I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. It's a Bollywood film that that footage is from. It's amazing. And um, also the John on how footage is in the end of Ghost World. Okay. And I just always loved that song. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's so complicated, but I... And I didn't want to ask my band to learn it. I mentioned <laughs> it to them. They were like, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it took us a long time. And uh, I learned all those lyrics. I think it's called... Phonetically, okay. I think it, I think that's what it's called. So I don't actually know what I'm saying. I just kind of wrote out what those words sounded like, yeah, and memorized them that way. And then one of my friends, Vandana, speaks Hindi, mm. and she kind of double checked me before okay. the recording. To make sure I wasn't making a fool of myself.
1: So, you did the, the ABBA approach. Yeah. When I learned that they didn't speak English, that was mind blowing.
0: Yeah, same with like the five, six, seven, eights who I love. Yeah. They do the same exact thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah.
0: They don't speak very much English at all, but a lot of their songs are in English. So, they do the same, same thing.
1: My friend speaks Cantonese, and, and his mother only speaks Cantonese, so a lot of the times he'll teach me things phonetically and have me say them to his mother, who then gets. Quite a kick out of it, so I, I know the struggle of how hard that is to do, and uh, you did it quite well. So <laughs> Thank you. It's fun. This last one here, Paul says uh, what he loves the most about your style is the way you use counterpoint in the vocal and guitar medley. Sometimes they're in sync, but they often divide off from each other. Is he completely full of sh- or is there anything to this?
0: <laughs> no, he's right. Like okay. I'll, I'll, I'll hear a melody, and then I'll be able to hear a completely different melody that somehow fits in, and that happens a lot in the studio. I was with... Um, the band I'm playing with now and they were recording a song live with me and my guitarist who's been working with me forever his name's Blake Mm -hmm. uh, Tally he was recording with me and there were a few musicians that had never recorded with me and I was like okay I'm gonna do an overdub and it it sounded like it wouldn't make sense with the song and then Blake was like just wait it will make sense in the end (laughs) and you know after I recorded it all kind of makes sense
1: okay thank you so much Olivia for talking with us we are huge fans of your music We hope everyone out there will pick up Night Owl. It comes out August 30th, correct?
0: Mm Mm-hmm, yep.
1: On Third Man. And if you've never heard Olivia's music out there, please pick this album up. It is fantastic. You got surf rock, you got rockabilly, some wonderful vocal tones, some amazing guitar. So thank you very much, Olivia, for agreeing to be on this show. I know Paul also was curious as to what...
0: You guys have been really, really kind and supportive to Third Man, so... Of course I wanted to do this. Thank you guys so much.
1: Yeah, we greatly appreciate it. And thank you, Olivia.
0: Thank
1: you. All right, James, that was a lovely interview with Olivia Jean. We'd like to thank Olivia for joining us on the show. Seriously, it was a thrill and honor all of that stuff a show highlight and, and, a, and just a general highlight for me. So thank you again to Olivia. We have some other thanks that we want to give out to some other people who have supported us throughout this long, hot summer. Mm. We'll mm-hmm. do an all Twitter edition this time. Some listeners have been interacting with us on Twitter. We have Craig Gropp or at Craig Gropp. Mm. We have uh, Andrew Diggs or at Andy Diggs. Thank you, Andrew. We have Sarah Cockler. Or at Sarah Cochler, thank you. Mm-hmm. We have Keegan Matheson, or at Keegan Matheson 2. Let's see, Casey P. Casey 2. Oh, we've thanked him. Vera Maxmiuk, Jeff Wieslowski. Oh. We have Jill Bader Oh, Sheila White. Thank you all on Twitter for interacting with us. Uh, if you would like to get a shout-out on the show, that's simple. You can just interact with us on any of their various social media platforms, which we'll get into in a moment. But James, I think there are a couple regular listeners we might want to be thanking. Yeah, we'll just thank a couple of them here. We'd like to thank Ben the Beer Man Blues Carnes. We'd like to thank Kyle Butterball Ledford. We got Nick Langford, Lang You Up From The Heavens, Stu Cat, Stu Driver. We got Luke Sinclair, Luke Me Over Closely, Joe Shaken All Over, Yvette Wilkins, Wilkin on sunshine, Tam Davis, Callie Durga, the third person in spirit every week. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys. These are our listeners day in day out there. Wonderful people. And uh, we wouldn't have this show without them and without all of you guys out there. And if you'd like to get in touch with us and be one of these shout outs, you can do so by going on Facebook at facebook.com slash third man tweeting at us on Twitter at Third Men Cast Tumblr ThirdMenPodcast You can press our words at the dot Email us at ThirdMenPodcast <laughs> uh, at gmail dot com. You can pip on down to Pippa, which hosts hey, our show. Uh, hey, that's shows pippa dot slash five ad 8 bb four two c six seven eight seven seven five nine c f 4C2A, uh, so you can look, or you can do it the easy way and and just uh, type in Third Men Podcast Pippa on Google, and you'll find us on there, uh, Pippa's great, we love, <laughs> we love Pippa, uh, I romantically love Pippa, Paul has been uh, hurt by Pippa in the past, but still won't stop loving Pippa, uh, we are all Pippa fans. Mm -hmm. so yeah pip on down to Pippa, and you can find us on youtube 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 (laughs) just uh (laughs) you can go to youtube.com slash c slash the third man podcast we finally have enough subscribers to make a custom url paul that's very exciting to me (laughs) because uh they have a minimum amount of subscribers to get a custom url so that's great thank you guys you guys came we did it we did the bare minimum (laughs) we did (laughs) we did it we got a web address and you guys came out in force and, and started subscribing and thank you guys so much. We we really appreciate it. Just in time for me to stop uploading. So that's great. Also, please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or, you know, wherever there's a, an option to do that. It, it really helps us coming back strong mm-hmm. here. Season four, we want to continue bringing these shows to you. And one of the best ways to do it is to keep growing our listenership. And you've grown a lot in the last year and we're really excited about that. But please Rate review and subscribe. It does really help. We read all of them and we appreciate all of them. Why don't you jump on the listener ship, Paul? Everybody. You got Oh, I thought you, you were gonna like say a listener-ship. new a, a new contest for people to get stuff. No. No. No, you're not. Okay, okay. that's fine. No, no, just we're jumping on the listener ship. It was just a pun. <laughs> How about this? If you rate and review our show with some kind of dumb pun hey. even involving my dumb pun, the listener ship i'll do a sketch for you the listeners you'll draw the ship i'll draw the listenership the iss listenership Uh i don't know why iss the tmr listenership the rss listenership because it's an rss feed bss all right yep the listenership i'll I'll draw that for you and send it to you so there so there so there if you do that so yeah please five stars please please rate review and subscribe five stars only we'll get you James artwork, James original artwork. We've had a lot of people send us some different entries to the various contests we've run and they've all received, you know, art and stickers and all sorts of fun stuff. So please do that. If you'd like to send us a listener question, you can send one to our email address or on any of the social media platforms we just mentioned. Also a thank you to Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, "We're the third Men," as well as Susanna mm. Roundtree for the lovely intros and outros of our program and, James, I think until next time, I will be looking for a home in the woods, looking for that night owl. Okay, I will be looking for a home in a Target on a Roomba, looking for my new familiar. Okay, we'll see you next time, folks. Season four, here we are. <laughs> Bye!
0: For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at ThirdMenCast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. We're the Third Men. We're the Third Men.
1: I feel like if we keep... Uh, And we have said this, uh, I think, on each of our audio separately. uh, We keep saying, why did you do this? I think Olivia's going to start to think, (laughs) why did I do this? (laughs) Because it's it's starting to seem like she shouldn't have done this. (laughs) Which she will most certainly find out after she listens to this. (laughs) Whose names are escaping me at the moment of this recording, um, but I also haven't had a lot of sleep, so yeah, I'm James, forgive myself on that. You're a one. fresh, you're a fresh dad. I'm a proud papa mm-hmm. of a bouncing baby. Yeah, and uh, boy, he bounces high. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So the other side of this, which is also really super fun, is I have a one-year-old who is off crying on the other side of this door, and uh, James is a one-month-year-old, so this is going to be just a bunch of juggling. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Love
0: it.
2: Love
1: it. Is There's something we should stop doing. Well, it depends. I have one in mind, but it's up to you. Is there, is there a show we <laughs> fell in love with? <laughs> this frantically scribbling. Do that because uh, that is insane and amazing, and I love it so much. And
0: I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I'm excited.
1: <laughs> it's laser tag. It's going to turn out great. Are you, yes. It's going to be a blast. I need
0: to get a GoPro for my forehead.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Record the whole thing.
1: And uh, <laughs> I, I anticipate you being on a Roomba the entire time. So. Uh,
0: Absolutely, yeah. I wouldn't do it any other way.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: um the rust is quite clear uh but that's okay
2: uh
0: and that
1: embarrasses me a great deal <laughs> don't
0: uh, be embarrassed
1: oh i am incre- i am so incredibly embarrassed uh we can add some beats behind it it's it'll just,
0: sound great okay yeah we'll,
1: yeah we'll make it a trap remix it'll be fantastic um As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Mark's and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. (laughs) You can head to our social media pages. That's facebook.com slash yesterdayandtodaypodcast or facebook.com slash thirdmen. Or you could head to society6.com Dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's Society the Number Six dot com slash K A M I N S K I Family